Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for geeks. This is Terry Bill Shipwell speaking to you. I'm giving the Candle Podcast for this week two wet kisses and a shake in the rear end as a review. So listen up and listen more. Welcome to another episode of Canned Air, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Sneezy Jack Doherty. <laughs> and I'm Jake Run. Pollen's getting to you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Had a little bout just before recording. Too. I'm Mr. Sneezy. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us today from Trace CalaverasStudios.com, which is Spanish for the Three Skulls, which I think sounds awesome. Pretty sweet. We have Emilio Rodriguez to talk about issue number three of Sarah Rising coming out very soon. Thanks for being with us, Emilio. Yeah, thank you very much. We're going to have a good show today uh, in the Retro Roundtable. We're going to be uh, going around talking about our favorite mutants, and not necessarily just in comic books, but movies, uh, TV, wherever mutants come from. Uh, in lieu of what was it, the uh, X Men uh, Apocalypse? Apocalypse, X-Men yes. Apocalypse. Feels appropriate. Yeah, it, I think it does. So uh, we're going to be doing that. They're going to go around talking comics. What do you guys have this week? Anything good? Hellboy 20th Ooh. anniversary offering. Yeah, a little okay. sampler of different stories. It was cool. I wonder if that's the. When was his 20th anniversary? Was it uh, like three years ago? Is it when did the birthday one? I, we'll have to look. Yeah, I think we'll I see. got that book. Have you really? I think I, I do. Nice. Yeah, I think we, we do have it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think I talked I'm anxious about it. to hear about it again. Yeah. I think I did that one. Yeah. Oh, no, you did? I think I, no, I don't know. We'll oh, see. <laughs> Go find another book. Jack. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then we'll be turning our full attention over to uh, Emilio and talking about Sarah Rising. So. Let's kick this episode off with this week's Retro Roundtable. It's showtime. Got it, dude. Spared no expense. My book's called Ultimatum. Ultimatum. Yeah. We talked so much about Hellboy, I decided to just move on and spare those details for later in the episode. You're slowing down the show, man. We got to keep it going. All right. So, our our favorite mutants. Uh, Let's let our guest start if he would like. Emilio? Uh, Well, I mean, some people are going to find this uh, this choice a little bit safe, but I got to go with the leader. I got to go with Cyclops. Oh, okay. Cyclops. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty cool. I've always enjoyed him. That was one of mine. I, Scores I never, pretty high on the chart for raw destructive potential. Yeah, that's right. for certain. I never enjoyed how they kind of downplayed his character in the cinematic X Men. Yeah, universe, the first you know? one, the first it's two. Kinda, yeah, just yep. in general, it looks like they're starting to come back full circle. You know, Hopefully. make him and Gene and you know all those core members a lot more prominent than they've been in the past. So yeah. that's exciting to see. But I'm not excited for the. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, strong female speeches and whatnot. Yeah. Sick of it. It's a little forced. It's a little forced. It's been done. <laughs> Cyclops, I think, was the first uh, comic book toy figure I had when really? I was younger. Yeah. No kidding. And I, I always, I picked him out of everyone else just because reading the description on the back of his powers because I didn't really know who he was. Just the fact that he could make that beam big enough to punch through a, a mountain. Mm-hmm. Or narrow enough that it could go through a keyhole. That's awesome. So that's some that's some 
Precision. Precision. Yeah. 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 Power and precision at the same time. That's awesome. Why Why would he uh, be your favorite there, Emilio? <clears throat> well, basically, I mean, looking at his story, if I'm not from X-Men 1, he was the first one recruited uh, by Xavier. I'm remembering from the first issue. Uh, plus, he's a natural leader. All the things that he's gone through over the years, and now there's the schism that's going on in the mutant world. You can think of the kind of life the man's had. Alternate future, gone in the future, come back, led numerous X-Men teams. Even more badass than ever. I just think the Cyclops is the man. Like he's, he's just, just that's it. Not Emma Frost knocking oh, yeah. out Emma Frost and all that. I mean, come on, the guy's the man. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to argue <laughs> with that. Wolverine's <laughs> had barely any women. He's supposed to be the best. Cyclops has had all the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we measure our best mutants. Of course, yeah. <laughs> it's the most important metric. <laughs> you can punch through a mountain, and he's got the ladies. What can I say? Yeah. yeah. What yeah. more what, could you ask? What for? more do you need? I mean, come <laughs> he's on. got those pimp red sunglasses too, right? Yeah. And that those uh, the yellow underwear and the <laughs> blue body. You got to be pretty confident to pull that look off. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, he was awesome. He was badass in the 90s cartoon, and that was for sure. I yeah. loved him in that show. Yeah. Well, if you recall the first Capcom video game, come on. That big oh. blast, opti- really big optic blast, that was the best. Yeah, that was awesome. It almost filled the whole screen, didn't it? <laughs> I was always saw Cyclops yeah. in that game. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It was like the Bo Jackson of Tech Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> Cyclops. <laughs> Never played fair, with Dazzler. <laughs> what about you, favorite... Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, what's it? Nightcrawler. Ooh, oh, he's bastard. always been a cool one of mine. Just do we have to stay within X Men in this conversation? Because oh, uh, I've got mutants. Okay, yeah, okay, cool. I just want to make sure I wasn't breaking any rules. Bleed's my favorite. Fine. No, by all means. <laughs> no, no, he is awesome. Fine. I'm anxious to see how they do him in the uh, new one. Not digging the haircut. It's eh, a little uh, emo, emo yeah, yeah, a little hipsterish. But I, he's a cool character, you know. I loved uh, Nightcrawler in uh, X Two. Yeah, yes. I thought it was cool. Yeah, he was so good, so good. So I wasn't sure what I felt about the tattoo thing, but it was the, like the scars the all mark over. For every scene, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think what's one of the, one of the interesting things about Nightcrawler is that his powers in the comic book you can kind of go, uh, you kind of feel it or not. But in the movie, they made him badass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The way he was just bouncing around the, the room in the very beginning, that mm-hmm. first scene. Yeah. Oh, in the church. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. And that, what a perfect setting for him, too. You know, an old abandoned church. He's living in the rafters. Very, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Gothic, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, well, a it's demon cool. bouncing around in the church. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. They never awesome. let up. The one thing that was me mad is they never talked about the smell. That he leaves oh, when, yeah. he, when he teleports. Yeah. Oh, is that like right? That horrible sulfur. Yeah, yeah. That's... He's going into like what the brimstone world or something like yeah. that, right? Yep. So you're letting all that hellish stench into reality. Wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's wow. all good. Every time I watch it, I, I just want to light a match or something. So I can, <laughs> yeah. I'll live Get the... the effect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Well, uh, I was get... Nightcrawler is definitely one of my favorites. <laughs> I remember in um, first class Azazel. Which I guess was like the precursor. I guess his father. His father, canonically, yeah. Yeah. Um, who essentially did the same thing, but looked like a lot more suave about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, pretty cool. He had those like weird, like tonfa wrist blade things and like a rapier or something. He was cool. But um, Colossus was always a favorite of mine when I was younger. I remember thinking about like, it's such a straightforward power. He's just 
indomitable, right? Yeah. Skin is metal. What mm-hmm. do you do to that? Yeah. You know, something about having just that pure physical power, nothing fancy. It's just like, oh, he approaches the enemy and then punches them till they can't stand it. <laughs> you know, it's like that's the whole thing. Then he, they made him into kind of a little wuss and Deadpool for comedic effect, which is, you know, that's fine, whatever. But yeah, Colossus is probably right up there for me. Mm, if we're talking non-X-Men, Toxic Avenger. Oh, man, yeah. Uh-huh. I was going to say something about him. <laughs> yeah. How about Swamp Thing? Swamp I mean, Thing? Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Swamp Thing was the shit back Good in the stuff. day. Yeah. Um, I typically prefer my mutants on the... Uh, Teenage Ninja Turtle variety. <laughs> oh, but I didn't even think about that. The kind plot of thickens. But I'm not going to harp on that uh, topic again. Uh, as turtles come up quite a bit. Um, outside of the X Men realm, I would say one of my n- new favorites was uh, the Indominus Rex from Jurassic oh, World. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, that thing was, was a cool. cool hybrid. What was it? A hybrid of a T Rex and Raptor, right? Yeah, or something? Yeah. And With a cuttlefish? Some, yeah, cuttlefish or a bunch yeah. of other things. Yeah. Oh, it was wicked. It could be right next to you and you'd never know it. Yeah. <laughs> you'd never know it. But um, Magneto. Oh, I mean, oh, how man. cliche can I be? But He's just so. He's one of those characters within X-Men or just, you know, within the Marvel Universe in general that, you know, there's all these mutants that have powers on different scales. You know, for instance, Jubilee, you know, she can just the fireworks. fireworks. <laughs> That's never going to be interpreted on a, you know, a godlike level. Right. You've Magneto, got that one dude who's just like a porcupine. Like he's just got yeah, spikes. Yeah. <laughs> but Magneto, for example, or Storm or, uh, you know, even Xavier, these are... Characters whose powers are so big and massive and can yeah. do such things that they could be perceived as gods. I mean, like that. they worshipped Storm as some kind of deity, right? Isn't that like how she met Black Panther? Or yeah, something? yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm not here. Go ahead. It's how she. I'm sorry. It's how she was recruited by Xavier in uh, in Giant Size X Men number one. She was she was a goddess in Africa, and he went to find her, and she had and he, he, she had first told him, well, "Why should I go with you?" I'm a goddess here. And Xavier said, well, I know what you really are. You're a mutant is what you are. And if you want to learn more about your kind, you come with me. It's pretty much paraphrasing the conversation. And then she, she convinces her and she goes with him. I would yeah. love to read that. Yeah, yeah definitely. I've yeah. never read that. And I, as iconic as that book is. I never had as much appreciation for Magneto until the movies. Because he was always like the super evil. He was godlike, but he was just... No one really messed with him too much. Mm-hmm. He just flew it around. Yeah. <laughs> but then actually seeing him, what was he, pulling up a submarine out of an airplane in the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. first class movie? The movies definitely added a humanity to him that had been absent in the comics. Because, yep. I mean, he was pretty just downright, uh, you know, sinister, evil, you know? Pulling the iron out of somebody's blood to make yeah. little bullets. That, that was he just shot around. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And just like, say what you will with the movies, which have been in places not so great, but like the team up of like Ian McKellen Magneto and Patrick Stewart, Professor X. Can we take a moment to marvel at what what an amazing thing happened there? Mm -hmm. You know, how did that even come to be that these two perfect figures for these roles were in a movie that was not so great, but were able to, you know, it's just so cool. You know, you didn't like the first X-Men? The first one I, I liked. The subsequent ones I didn't care much for. I can understand the third one. The second one was a bit long, but I loved them all. I don't yeah. know why. And I can, again, I totally understand why some of those sequels would get... <laughs> and, you know, uh, I, I didn't hate them. You know, right. a lot of people just have nothing but scorn for these movies. Because yeah, right. you know, even if they're not great, they introduce some characters I've loved since I was a kid. You know, right. you finally get to see Nightcrawler and mm-hmm. you got 
people with big crazy powers fighting. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. But uh see but, Angel yeah. for five minutes. Yeah. No, never never liked <laughs> Angel. Because I, I go into this mode in my head where I'm like, well if he's actually gonna take flight with non hollow human bones, he needs a wingspan of seventeen feet, blah blah blah. <laughs> and it just like ruins it for me. This isn't accurate. Yeah, I know. And it's for whatever reason I can't I can't stop myself from doing that. So but, go ahead. Uh, well, what's funny about Angel is that you, you, you wonder why, like, how a guy like that could have lasted all these years. I mean, if you, on the cover of X-Men 1, he's attacking Magneto with a metal pipe. That's exactly <laughs> the hardest thing to do. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's really odd that you figure out oh, somebody must have blown him away at some point. I mean, all he could do is fly. Right. Yeah, right. Cool power. I would love to be able to fly. <laughs> sure. I mean, figured it would have lasted, what, one battle at the most, two? If only we had weapons that could target flying enemies. <laughs> just lop a wing off and you're only half there right. now. Or give him that procedure where you just, like, clip the main retrix or something like that. <laughs> it's got big flashy wings, but they don't take him anywhere anymore. I've got a, um, well, I don't know if it's mutant or not. This name came to mind when I was pondering this category, and I thought it, would, it might open up good debate as for whether this qualifies as mutant or not. Sloth from the Goonies. <laughs> are we talking some kind of mutant? We call, are we talking just birth defect, drinking and smoking you know, during pregnancy? It's, I mean, a, it's a mutation, I think. So in, in movies good. like that, it's a thin line. Mm-hmm. I think the word mutant, almost taken as like a slang term. I think we'll, we'll call we can call him a mutant. Call him a mutant. I don't think anyone's going to fight us on that. Had, he he had a very toxic Avenger uh, kind of look yeah, to him. Yeah, the asymmetrical the face. Eyes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, no one know. can see the horrid face I just made. Maybe that's for the best. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Amelia? Where where would you play Sloth? Mute uh, or no? I have to, yeah, I think I'd, I mean, according to the guidelines you just set out, I think I'd have to go with that. I would say he's a mute. Yeah. I have to go with, yeah. Okay, well then he's one of my favorite mutants. There you go. Uh, I'm going to put him <laughs> on the list this week. <laughs> Anyone else? Favorite mutants? Oh, man. Um, oh, here's one. Um, I don't know if it counts since she was like intentional and I tend to think of mutation as something random, but uh, do you guys ever see Splice with Adrian Brody? No, no. I know the movie. I know the movie. Yeah, they're like though. geneticists and they make these custom animals that usually come out like amorphous blobs with all sorts of traits, but they create a little essentially female looking mutant they call Dren that she ends up taking on all kinds of strange evolutionary shapes and that movie went so far off the rails, but it was cool because, like, they had the guts to make it as weird as they did. It's hard to say without spoiling it. That wasn't the movie where they, uh, like, as she grew and evolved, like, kept her in, like, a warehouse. She wanted to start wearing clothes That's the one, yeah. Is it? That's her, yeah. That was a good movie. Yeah, that was so cool. And then people really tore it apart after it came out, but I left the theater thinking, like, wow, what an interesting, <laughs> yeah. weird little thing. I, I hadn't seen anything quite like it before. That was a good movie. I cool. forgot all about that one. Yeah. Wow. She makes that weird purring noise. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I don't like it. It gets in your head. <laughs> mm, she was dangerous, too. She wasn't was, she? Yeah. She had wings at one point. Oh, that's right. And, and her tail. She had like a prehensile sting. She like straight up killed a cat that they gave her. Like, look, Tren, for all the months of abuse, here's a cat to make it all better. She's like, oh, that's cool. And then yeah. it's gone. <laughs> Just dead that quick. Man, I forgot about that movie. I want to watch that that's again. That's a cool now. one, yeah. Okay, other mutants. Leela. Oh, right? Yes. A literal sewer mutant. Yep. Yeah. Oh. The whole Futurama mutant 
cast, right? Only <laughs> in the animation world, in real hey, life. Right, yeah, right. I One of the mutants I've uh, fantasized oh, yeah, about. Point. The only mutant <laughs> that we can fantasize about. <laughs> She's right up there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sloth's a close second. Let's give the man credit. Oh, right? man, I don't know. I didn't think about Leela. That's it's a good a one right there. Between Zoidberg. 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 I, I feel like as loathsome as he is, though, he is a good exemplar of his terrible species. Yeah. I think he came out all He's right. the worst it's of them. Just, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking here. Man, I thought this would be easier to do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll touch back on the turtles if we're hard up for a mutant to talk about. Sure. One of my favorites was uh, one of their adversaries was Slash. I always loved how the Shredder came back at the Turtles with his own set of mutants like, you know, I'm gonna fight fire with fire and make my own mutants, but to actually take a turtle a more vicious species of turtle, <laughs> mm. mutate it and set it back on the Turtles was, I loved that, That's and I, I always thought like why didn't he make four of them? And then he could have <laughs> killed them! He could have killed them all! <laughs> I don't know. So would that mean like Doomsday would be a mutant? Yeah, I'd yeah, say I so. Yeah, I would say yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Given how he, um, yeah, I mean, he mutated to become what he was, right? Yeah. It's like controlled mutation, but still. Uh, he's a son of a bitch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. There's, uh, speaking of Doomsday, I've been watching through some of the DC uh, like animated DVD movies. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah, very good. And I, I watched uh, Superman uh, Doomsday is that what it's called? The Death of Superman? Yeah. Uh, Superman yeah, Doomsday, Doomsday. Yeah, yeah. movie. And, uh, you know, he takes on the Doomsday creature for the first time, and it kills him, you know, and then he comes back. And, yeah, you, you know, you all know the story. Sure. Well, then um, there was another movie. It was uh, oh, where they go to the planet Apocalypse to fight Darkseid. It was a Justice League movie. Batman, Superman, Apocalypse, maybe it was called. Yeah, but it's all about uh, 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 Supergirl. What's her name? Kara, Kara. Kara, she first comes to Earth and lands in Gotham and her discovering who she is. Well, Darkseid finds out about her and uh, wants to capture her and bring her, you know. I think I've seen some about half of that, yeah. Right. Well, there's a whole period where Wonder Woman takes her off to her island, says she's going to train with us. You guys don't know how to train her. I'm going to train her. And while she's there, Darkseid launches an attack on the island where a portal opens up and a whole army of these dark side monsters, or excuse me, of these doomsday monsters comes pouring out onto the beach and storming the, uh, you know, the palace. And they, you know, hold a front line very well. And in the end, Superman just blasts his rays and takes them all out. And I think if one was able to kill you, <laughs> why are you now able to kill a hundred of them with well, a single blast? Well, this time blast? he's concentrating. I guess. You know, why didn't you do that the slip. first time, Soup? Come on. <laughs> you know? It was daytime. Dude. Just one of those things I noticed. I thought, come on. Right. But anyway. Going to the DC, even though they're not technically called mutants, they're metahumans or whatever. Right. I'd have to say The Flash, one of my favorite. Mm, yeah, he's pretty sure. cool. He's awesome. I love uh, just being able to like vibrate through anything and That's stuff cool. like that. Yeah. Just being able to run ungodly fast, because I'm not a runner anyway. You guys might know. Yeah. I can sympathize with that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever run in my life. Yeah. Never even run from something scary. I'm just like, well. <laughs> just plan it and stand there and It'll wait. get me or it won't. I'm gonna... <laughs> Could be the end, but probably not. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Well, since we're uh, drowning here on this topic, I think we'll just uh, we'll just call it flatlined here. Time of death, nineteen minutes into recording. <laughs> and with that, let's just jump right into the comic dump bin. 
who went first last week? Was it me? What, who I was think, it? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think it was you. Who wants to go first this week? I'll, I'll knock mine out first. It was, yeah. it was pretty quick, so I okay. kind of blazed through it. I've got uh, Hellboy. As I recall, it's the 20th anniversary. I have it on my phone right now. I don't know if it's poor form to check that, but <laughs> I want to say it's the it's like a 20th anniversary like sampler special. Okay. And uh, it had three three short stories. Yeah, 20th anniversary sampler. Um, entitled The Coffin Man, The Ghoul, and Another Day at the Office. They were all very, very quick, but all really excellent. The first one, Coffin Man, starts out with Hellboy in Mexico, and he's drinking with some friends. And he, that sounds horrible. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it cuts in. He's mid-story, and he says, like, so I, so I woke up next to this beautiful woman, most beautiful girl I ever seen, and I looked down at my hand, and there's a ring on my finger. And we were married. And it cuts to, like, this ring that's like a gold serpent band that oh, looks wow. up at him and says, you swore an oath to me. And it's like this really creepy. But that's the thing. That's the end of the story. Everybody laughs and they toast and they drink and they leave it right there. It's wow. Just, it implies all this crazy shit that happened. <laughs> but but then a, a girl comes running into the ta- or saloon crying and she says, my uncle, the coffin man got my uncle. And, and they say, like, you know, little girl, your uncle died yesterday. We buried him. He's like, yeah, and the coffin man got him. Like, what's the coffin man? And I guess it's some some necromancer who raids the graves at night. And Hellboy goes out to confront him. And sure enough, he's this old, wretched-looking dude. He's got, like, a burrow-driven cart um, where he's loading up all these caskets of, like, recently buried people. And uh, and he he spots Hellboy and freaks out and turns into a vulture and flies off, but not before zapping his donkey with some kind of spell that turns him into this hulking mutant abomination. Oh, wow. <laughs> it just beats the hell out of Hellboy. And it, like, hard cuts to him in the morning. He's, like, all wrapped around a cactus, looking like he got his ass kicked. And the little girl's like, did you find my uncle? He's like, uh, n- n- not this time, sweetheart. <laughs> like, it just doesn't <laughs> work out for him. Uh, in the second story, he's, uh, he's chasing some ghoul that I guess he's been on the trail of since, like, the 30s. He's been, like, around during World War II, feeding off corpses to sustain himself. By now, he looks like an old man in his human form, but uh, he's got all kinds of strange powers, the longevity. He's fighting, and the whole time this ghoul is, like, reciting Shakespeare and weird poetry and just being very creepy. And he gets away, plunges into, like, a sepulcher, like a big stone tomb, and then maggots, like, writhe around and consume him and disappear. And I guess that's how he escapes. He just, like, disincorporates into different vermin and stuff, mm. and, and the chase kind of ends there. All in all, a lot of really great stuff. And, you know, I've been meaning to get into Hellboy, and this was this was a cool little sampler to see what sort of things yeah, I can expect. Cool. And, and I'm all, jeez, the art style, the concept, everything. I'm very down, so I'll be looking into that further, I think. Awesome. I have a Hellboy trade that reading it, and the way it read was pretty much just how the movies go. Just, yeah. It works real well. Cool. Hmm. I'll have to read more of those myself. All right. Emilio, would you like to go next? Well, I gotta say one thing I've been impressed by. You guys probably talked about this not so long ago uh, on the podcast. Right now, I'm, I'm going through Secret Wars from last year. Oh, okay. And, and I gotta say, I mean, unfortunately, it's kind of like a, it's taken as an unofficial of honor among indie creators for some reason. That's the big two. Uh, I'm not one of them. I'm a huge fan of the big two, and I read stuff the big two. And Secret Wars, awesome. I mean. Jonathan Hickman, in my opinion, is just absolutely crushing it. I didn't awesome. read any of those, did you? I've got them at oh, home. Incredible. Get rid of me. Yeah. Now, what the problem is, 
has individual issues because I think it was nine, right? I think it was about nine issues. Something like yeah. eight or nine. Individual yeah. issues, of course. You know, on a month-to-month basis, what happens? We review each issue separately, and sometimes they say, "Oh, this issue wasn't as strong." This isn't—that's they were building up to the next issue, just setting stuff up. Overall, the storyline is awesome. I mean, basically, what, what happened in Secret Wars, like Marvel kind of rebooted. I mean, I don't know if they would call it that, but they kind of like it's like kind of like a soft reboot, very very soft. Basically, there were these incursions, all the multiple realities were folding in on each other and destroying each other. Earth and the ultimate universe are the last ones left. For some reason, Dr. Doom, uh, Stephen Strange, and uh, Molecule Man come up against these, uh, these characters called the Beyonders. I guess that's where the Beyonder came from. And they're destroying all the universes because they feel, well, we created them and nah, nah, we need to start over again. We kind of didn't, didn't do right the first time. <laughs> So then, in Secret Wars, it, 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 it explain how Doom actually, between the two, they catch these guys by surprise and destroy them, they actually end up usurping their power. Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange had a chance to be omnipotent and take the power, and he just chickens out of it. He goes, oh, I can't, I can't, it's too big for me, it's too big for me. Victor, you do it. And of course, Victor being Victor, he's never backed down from a challenge, right? Right. Victor's, oh, yeah. <laughs> <I'll take> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> sure, why, you know, why not? But it turns out that actually Victor was good at it. So he saves, he creates like a a pastiche earth where he basically saves parts of the different earths all that he could and makes one planet out of it. Oh, and Battle that's World. Get, huh. Yeah, yeah, right, and he calls it Battle World. Uh, and there's still problems with it, but it's the, basically it's the best that he could do. So he sets up this little, like, kind of like a hierarchy where his kingdom is the main one and, he, and he's the overlord of God and he's ruling over everything. And he has this um, these knights called the Thors. He sets up Thor as these group of knights that basically are his enforcers and they enforce his will throughout the kingdoms. And, and you have like elements of the ultimate universe coming, like Reed Richards from the ultimate universe somehow saved himself, comes into this present world. Reed Richards from the from our regular Marvel universe, which is like Earth 616, saves himself and some of the Marvel characters. They make it into this new world. So you can imagine the conflict that's going on, and it is absolutely awesome. I mean, hmm. Hickman is doing an incredible job of writing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know it's easy to bash the big two for a lot of what they've been doing lately, been doing lately, but they can still write their asses off. And this is an incredible right. piece of writing what they're doing. Incredible. I'm not finished with it. I imagine it's only getting it's only going to get better. Absolutely incredible what they're doing. I think I started The Secret Wars, but I, I didn't finish it. And I poked in on a few different books during the time Battle World started. Right. And Doom, if I remember, he looked badass. Didn't he wearing, like, all white now? He did. He's the god now. He's, like, yeah. he's just white. But what the odd thing is, he cannot fix his face. He still yeah. has a face. So he How says, else are we going to recognize him? It's yeah, like really. if you take Elvis <laughs> Costello's glasses and hat off, he's just another <laughs> dude, you know? Man, what 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 an asshole. You know, just recreates, no, no, Doom, Doom okay. <laughs> recreates this world to like ostensibly save creation. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to call it Battle World and make sure everybody's life sucks and yeah. it's full of constant conflict. You know, he finally got what he want. He's <laughs> in control, right? Of domination. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's the dream. Yeah. Oh, it's even worse. So he makes Sue his wife and Valeria his daughter. Oh wow! So Bill huh. Reed is going to eventually find out. I haven't got to that. Point. Of course, Reed's going to be incredibly upset. So, I would say so, and yeah. that'll be a good showdown. He just couldn't—he's he, God now, but he just couldn't let that part of himself go. Yeah, makes Sue Storm his wife. 
<laughs> just to be a dick, just to get under Richard's skin. Wow, that's awesome, man. I'll have to read that once. Uh, the trade's probably already out, isn't it? Oh, it's got to be out. Yeah, right now, yeah. long been out. I'm excited. It's awesome. Absolutely awesome. All right, man. Secret Wars. Secret right. Wars. You want to go next or me? I'll go next. Okay. I've got Ultimatum, Chapter 1, The Three Kings. It's a Marvel book. It takes place with all the, basically all the Avengers, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, it starts out at the Baxter building. Reed and Sue are hanging out. He's trying to profess his love to her. She's not really taking it quite yet because he's always doing that. It's They're a lot younger. I'd say they'd probably, I think it, it says they're just their older teens right now. Okay. Which was, it was kind of weird because they're so much younger. They're just doing their own thing. Uh, things, uh, bench pressing a couple of tons of stone, talking to Herbie the robot, which, thank God, Herbie doesn't look anything like that stupid cartoon from back in the... I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Herbie Ta- the robot? Talking about him making him, making uh, the thing about one or ten bologna sandwiches. And Johnny Storm's in the kitchen arguing with his dad. Uh, and then it cuts over to... The Avengers Tower and Tony Stark's drinking a martini, asking Cap if it's out of place to say, should I be bathing? Or what, what it would be like to be soaking in a martini right now? But Cap's like, come on, we got to go work to do. Uh, shoots over to Thor and Valkyrie. They're sparring. Ant-Man's talking to Wasp with uh, Hawkeye just talking smack and they're arguing back and forth, calling each other names. Then it goes downtown New York on a train. Peter Parker, Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy, and Kitty Pryde are taking a, a train somewhere. It doesn't say where they're going. They're just being teenagers. And then walking down Broadway is Beast Angel and I forgot his name. Nightcrawler. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're just talking about walking around downtown. And all of a sudden, this big storm hits. And next page, there's this huge tidal wave taking over New York. The whole New York's all flooded. Everyone's freaking out. Uh, some of the heroes, they're worried. They're running around trying to save people. It shows Bruce Banner floating underwater. He turns into the, the Hulk and starts running around rescuing people. Uh, and the hard cuts over to New York to Xavier's mansion. And there's a loud scream. Xavier's on the floor. Cyclops and Wolverine come walking in and see what happened. And... Uh, Xavier says, you know, there's kind of a great disturbance in the force type thing. Mm. And he needs to get a hold of everyone he can. And he starts talking to all the heroes that are still alive, saying that they need to go to this location, which is a big, big floating island. And they need to take care of Magneto. And Magneto's like, go ahead, send them. They'll all pay for what they've done. And that's to be continued. It was Is the island like, uh, what is it, Geonosis or whatever? Well, no, is it's that what float- he called his? I think that's what was, Star Wars. You're thinking. That's no, it, but it's a big floating. It's floating in the Sky Island, Geonosia. Geonosia. Oh, okay. That's what it was. I knew it was close. It, darn it! No, this is just a big palace floating on a, a big rock I see. in the sky. Very cool. Um, yeah. Next, it gets worse. I guess. Oh, it always gets darker before it uh, <laughs> gets lighter. Yeah. But talk about a cliffhanger! Just all of a sudden, all this stuff goes. Out. Oh, at one point. Sue Storm ends up saving New York because she puts a force field, pushes all the water back, and she passes out. I, I think she dies, I think, but Reed gets Ooh, pissed, shoot. takes one of the uh, the Fantastic Four cars out into the ocean to meet Namor, and they argue for a little bit, and all of a sudden there's a big lightning bolt. Reed's got Namor twisted up around him. Lightning bolt comes, zaps Namor, so he's out of it. Namor's a dick. Yeah, Such an took ass. Took him out of it. Yeah, he was an asshole in there. 
But yeah, it was pretty good. Almost, that was a freebie on Comixology that I had that I I might look into more of it. It's a hell of a freebie right there. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, that leaves me, and what I have this week is uh, X-Men Classic, uh, number 72. Let me see when this came out. 1992. And I I think it's a reprint in 92 of a story that was even older. I just don't know how far back this story dates. But it's called Trial by Fire, and it opens up immediately with Kitty Pride, whole front page there saying, Professor Xavier is a jerk. Now, what <laughs> what could have he done to possibly make young Kitty Pride say such things? Well, I guess in a, uh, in a battle that her and the X-Men had been out on, something happened that they don't really touch on a lot in this issue, where when they got back to the mansion, Xavier said, you know, I don't want you in the field with the X-Men anymore. I'm going to put you back with the, uh, the, the young mutants or the new mutants. I think that's what they called, like, the underclass mutants yeah. that were still training to be X-Men. And she was all pissed off by it and saying she's wanting to leave the mansion, this and that. Um, what else is going on in here? At the same time this is happening, uh, you see Charles Xavier in the danger room, which has been used to just bring up simple physical therapy equipment. He's trying to learn to walk. I guess his body had been cloned so that he could transfer his mind from one body into the new one and be able to walk again. Hmm. But what he's finding is that when he stands up, you know, he should be able to stand up and just start walking. But he can't get his body to do it. And they're realizing, you know, that at the moment of the trauma, when he was paralyzed, that it put such a permanent, uh, you know, fix on reality in his brain that you don't walk anymore. That even in this new body that is capable of walking, he can't muster his, wrap his mind around it. So mm-hmm. his mind still thinks he's crippled. So he's still struggling with that quite a bit. Uh, and there's this girl that I, I periodically see throughout the universe who everybody probably knows who is his uh, love affair. What's her name? Lalandra. Does that ring a name with it? Ring a bell sure. with anyone? She used to be Empress of the Shi'ar. Exactly. Yes, her. Well, she's helping him through this therapy, and she's like, I've, I've, I've got to go back home. Uh, you know, I know it's not a good time, but my... I don't know, I think it's a sister or a brother of hers is going back to claim her throne, so she has to go take care of that. And Just kind of a side story. doesn't really play a whole lot into the overall scope of this book. But it cuts back over to Kitty, who, uh, again, still feeling very jaded and uh, at Professor X. And through thinking starts, you know, she's like, well, hey, you know, he can be a jerk and kick me out, but hey, well, at least I'll have more time to focus on my studies. At least I'll have more time to do this and that. And then she starts kind of realizing maybe that's why he, you know, want, doesn't want me on the team because it's pulling my attention from my studies and starts to see, you know, the the uh, reasons behind his decision. But at that same moment, gets a an alert that downstairs, like around the danger room in the hallways, are these uh, presents. Only she can see for some reason. The computer picks up something there but isn't reading them as people. So everyone else in the building is just kind of ignoring it. She goes, I'm going to go check it out. And she phases down there and realizes there are these two robots sneaking into the mansion. I don't remember where they're from. But uh, she then in turn tries to take them out. One shoots her immediately and zaps her, which stuns her power. She can't phase through things. So she starts... Just thinking in her head, Charles, can you hear me? I need help. I'm down in the danger room. I can't get out. And um, 
he starts calling her. Now, this is what I found uh, cool. And again, a little piece of information that everyone probably knows. But he starts addressing her as Sprite. Did you know Kitty Pride went by the name Sprite? Mm-mm. Yeah, I guess Xavier was wanting to call her Ariel at some point. I was reading on Wikipedia. But yeah, he calls her Sprite and <clears throat> her name. I had, had well, no idea. Kitty kept changing names. They made a joke out of it later on. She named she also changed the name to Shadow Cat. Yeah, yeah Shadow I know Cat. that name. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. And a couple of others, they made a joke out of it later. She, again, she couldn't make up her mind. She kept changing her name. Yeah, well, she uh, she also had a little pet dragon called uh, Lockheed. Yeah, that, I've seen the pictures of her with yeah, the dragon. That, yeah, like comes in in this moment of danger and helps her take out these robots. And uh, she relies heavily on the fighting skills Wolverine taught her since her powers were gone. But just in the thick of danger, Colossus busts in, takes out the robots, saves the day. And because she handled herself so well and so gracefully, Xavier lets her back in to the X-Men. The end. X-Men classic trial by fire. Check it out. Moral of the story, always have a pet dragon handy. (laughs) Yeah, I never leave home without mine. Solid logic. Yeah. All right. Well, with that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Emilio and talk about Sarah Rising. Thanks for being with us again, Emilio. Thank you. So tell the listeners who don't know about Sarah Rising all about Sarah Rising. Basically, <laughs> like oh, it's a uh, the book with a Latina protagonist. Um, the back to the fact that she's Hispanic doesn't really matter in the context of the story. Us being Hispanic creators, we just created uh, a, a Latina protagonist. Once you're in outer space, it really doesn't matter if you're Hispanic, French, or you no, know, whatever Chinese. So it, right, and so it really doesn't matter. So basically, she comes across. She's a you know dreamer, uh, a geek, a proud geek. She's sure of herself. Uh, she basically is the kind of person that sees she sees that her, her she's okay, and then there's something wrong with the rest of the world, kind of like that. Uh, so she's definitely uh, proud of uh, herself, proud of her geekdom, and she's uh, she's a bit of a dreamer. Of course, she lives in a small town just north of the city, north of New York City, uh, as a uh, as a basically normal life. Uh, then she comes across this uh, alien bounty hunter and an alien, what I would call an adaptive bioweapon, kind of like a uh, kind of like Green Lantern's ring, kind of not. But it attaches itself to her, and now that it attaches itself to her, it really full, realizes it's full of potential with a human being. And the alien gangsters that it belonged to, now they really want it back. Now that they've seen, they've seen what it can really do, they're like, wow, they really want to get this thing back. But now she's too powerful. Because they can't just normally they can't just get it back to normal means, so that's where the crux of the conflict is. Now they have to bring all their resources to bear, try and kill her, or try to try to get it from her somehow like that. And she goes off into outer space um, because it's too dangerous for her to be on Earth, and has all these adventures that she only used to dream about. That's basically is the point of the story. And the worst villain in the story is not even the alien gangsters; it's the manager of the fast food restaurant. Heck yeah, he is, man. <laughs> Jerk, right? Oh, HR issues all oh, over the yeah. place. Oh, yeah. You healthy lawsuit right Gosh. there. Gosh. <laughs> well, what happened? I think uh, you'd be a guy. I've seen people like that. They can get, you can go away with a lot when people think they have no recourse. So it's right. Down, and you've seen how he was able to get away. Like somebody, if um, if you checked out the first issue, somebody was, he was able to get away with some of the things that he does, uh, basically because he knows he can. And to him, that's his every. That's his little world. The fact that he's manager, 
and he's, he feels he's got everything. He's got his car, his manager of, of the restaurant, Burrito Mania, on top of the world, man. <laughs> <laughs> Todd the God. Right, Todd the God. And then she caused him to get fired because of what happens with her and the aliens. And he, he gets pissed at just to him. She ruined his entire world. His world was absolutely perfect. So he's like kind of like borderline sociopath. He's, his world was perfect. And then she ruined it. And now he wants his revenge. We've all met that kind of person in oh, real life, sure. too. Yeah, yeah. What was it? I, I was just two short years ago cutting lettuce right over there. Now look at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not, still not doing much better, dude. You're all right. But, exactly. but uh, no, it was a heck of a fun read. And uh, one thing that I noticed in there, too, you know, you know, Sarah, like you said, is a very proud geek. Uh, makes many mentions to different uh, pop culture reference, comic reference. But one that I loved was uh, there was in a word balloon it says Doc Ock is still posing yes. as Peter Parker you know, yeah. I, I got <laughs> off on that so much I love that but um, I guess the way I would describe this comic to somebody and I hope you take this as a compliment because I certainly mean it as one is um, it felt like watching a 90s movie mm-hmm. kind of yep. you know it just it seems like a perfect concept for a movie that you would have seen coming out at the time and uh, makes me want to see it in that format now. Mm-hmm. I want to see how they would bring the, uh, the little bounty hunter guy to life, you know? He was cool looking. Kind of had a little Yoda look to him, but yeah. way more badass, you know? <laughs> so very oh, yeah. cool. Well, yeah, Bob's, yeah, Bob's still around. He's, uh, Bob's there. Uh, and he basically, the, the way I would describe Bob is like, uh, whereas uh, now there's this, you know, Lucas has introduced questions to Han as to whether Han shot first. Bob definitely would have shot first. Bob would have shot first <laughs> three times before to make sure the guy was dead before he was dangerous. So that's the kind of individual that Bob is. Uh, at first, he, he basically is seeing Sarah as his way to get revenge for, for the fact they double-crossed him. And over time, I think people will see that their relationship kind of changes. Um, they grow a little closer um, naturally because he gets to know her. She gets to know, yeah. She gets to know him. He starts out being a little overly, uh, a bit, a bit protective. Basically, he just sees her as a, as a way to get her to get his revenge. She's gonna help him, but people will see the relationship evolve over time. I think they'll see something really cool um, happen as a result. So, with the newest issue that's going to be coming out, or is it out yet? Issue three. How soon are we? Three is is finished. I'm about to put it up on the site tonight for sale digitally, and it's currently being printed. And we should have it ready. We should have the print copies in about maybe about two weeks, I would say. Oh, perfect. So probably about the time people are hearing this, if it's not on the shelf yet, it will be within a matter of days probably. Awesome. That's great. Um, Reading up on you, it was really cool to find out not only are you a comic creator, but you're also an attorney, right, with your own practice and a college professor? Yeah. Yeah, I am. So it's not the uh, – I wouldn't say it's a standard route. I would yeah. say. <laughs> Where do you find the time, man? You're like you're like uh, like Matt Murdock of the comic making world <laughs> yeah. here. Basically, the way I look at it, there's time enough for anything in the day that that's re- that you find really worth it. That's what I found. Uh, there's a um, I was going to say, well, there, there's an old saying: the work expands to fill the time allotted. Um, yes, there's at the same amount of hours in the day as everybody else, but to me, this is this is something that's that's plenty worth it. Something close to my heart. I've written comics since I was a kid. Uh, I wrote comics all the time. I got away from it because, you know, I started my career. Um, then, unfortunately, I just got away from writing, you know, started concentrating on that. 
I mean, which is which is an important endeavor. Don't get me wrong, but you know, fortunately, it got me away from from what I love to do. And then my wife w was always telling me, you know, you're you know, you're, you're a creative person. You should go back to what you were doing. And I was telling, nah, I had my chance. I can't really now. Nah, it's too late. It's too late for that. But then it was funny because it was actually a friend of mine that got me. He he had always he he was an artist. He wanted to get he wanted to start his own comic. And I was I saw what he had written, and whereas he was a good artist. He wasn't exactly the best writer. And I have to say this, I know it's going to be a little politically incorrect, but every artist thinks they can write, and they can't. <laughs> if you're a good artist and you can't write, go look for a real writer that'll really help you put out the book of your dreams that you really want to put out. Um, just acknowledge the fact that you can't write and just get a writer. Um, things like punctuation, syntax, storytelling, uh, character development, they do count, uh, you know, things like that. Um, so I got to say on that, um, so I went to the, the, one of the big uh, comic cons here in New York City. That's where I'm from, the New York Comic Con. And I said, oh, I'm going to find an artist. I'm going to collaborate. And I met this gentleman who was uh, part of the, uh, an organization that I'm going to revive, but now it's defunct. It was called the Comic Book Artist Guild. And basically oh, yeah. it, was a group, it was a group of creators. You might have seen them online. It's a group of, I'm going to revive a group in another form. It's going to be bigger, better, all night. But for now it's, it's defunct. But at the time, there's a group of creators that basically they get together, they help each other out with their their stuff. They did publish a little bit, um, and basically they, they just encourage and help each other. And I said, "Oh, great! This is fantastic! I'm going to meet an artist here." And sure enough, I met my partner James Rodriguez. Uh, James, who uh, I think is an absolutely fantastic artist. I mean, everything that I imagine when I write my script, I mean, it's really cool to see it on the page. All I got to do is imagine something and is able to put it right on the page. I think that's incredible. Um, he and I hooked up, got together. Uh, originally, the book was actually his. Oh, wow, uh, really? He, he, had, he had envisioned this as a, as a, he called it the Chronicles of Sarah. And what I did was he had actually 26 pages up on the web. I looked at it. I have to admit, I didn't like it. Repeat statement about artists and writers that I made before. <laughs> Shooting ahead, I mean, he, it was okay, but it, it really wasn't, it was actually kind of slow. The pace was very slow. And the story was very different. So I started talking to him and said, hey, you know, I want him to work on one of my books. And I said, the best way to convince this guy is to really get him going on his. So I started talking about his, and I said, you know, the best way to the best way to really convince him is to write a script. He wrote a script for a first issue, banged it out, it took me like, you gotta admit, I did it overnight. It wasn't, didn't take that long. Brought it back to him. And he read it, finally saw what I was talking about, and he absolutely loved it. To his credit, he saw, and it wasn't easy, but he saw that the important thing was making the book better. So he agreed on making every wholesale change that I pretty much suggested. So now the book is way different than what it was. The cat Bob the is the same, Sarah is the same, the click is the same, the girls, a lot of other, but... The entire story, Todd wasn't in there before. I was going to put him in there. But pretty much, I pretty much changed the story, to be honest. Changed almost pretty much everything. To his credit, he, it wasn't easy. There were some arguments involved, as you can imagine. There <laughs> some fighting, you know, but he, he acknowledged that it's about putting out the best book possible, so he went with it. And now he's fully on board, and now we have a really good synergy together, and I think it shows in the book. I'm very proud of what we put together. I think the book, uh, I think the book is really good. Proud of it. Absolutely, great story, and uh, 
wonderful art to go along with a great story as well. You guys complement each other very well. It helps to have a main character that has a, a very grounded feel, someone mm-hmm. relatable that doesn't right. start out really grandiose and, and unapproachable. Sure. And I, I agree. It's funny. It's funny you say that because usually, unfortunately, when what, what I found and disagree with me if you want, a lot, a lot of times when guys write women characters, it's usually the the whore or the butch. <laughs> Go for extremes on the spectrum. We have an episode title, people. <laughs> episode. That's going to be the name of my band. There's not. There's not a lot of in between, and I wanted to make a character that was you know that was in between. I didn't want it just to be a a nervous, geeky nerd. I wanted her to be strong on her own two feet. Like I said, I wanted her to look at the world and say, I'm okay. You people have a problem. So, and I wanted that to come across. And I think it does because all the feedback that I've gotten, everybody loves the character. They say, oh yeah, she's great. She's just like what you guys said, and I thank you for it. Uh, We definitely worked hard on that. We definitely worked hard on having her come across as someone who's uh, who's quick on her feet. She still looks looks at the world with the eyes of a teenager, but... She's kind of a she's a mature teenager, and uh, of course, because of what happens to her, she's going to grow up a little quicker than than she would have normally. She's going to react to what happens to her in a very interesting way based on who she is. And I think everybody's going to enjoy it as they come along on this journey of ours that we're trying to uh, that we're trying to portray in our book. And how far do you guys foresee that journey going? I, I mean, are you set on a so many issue arc, or is it just going for the unforeseeable future? We have there's a definite end to the story. What we don't, there's a lot of the middle that we've plotted out. We're leaving ourselves open um, to, to make, uh, we don't want to con- like, uh, we don't want to confine ourselves to a certain amount of issues because one, there's no way of knowing whether uh, in terms of a practical matter or whether artistically we'll be able to do it. And two, things happen and we want to leave ourselves open to making, to adjusting. If we introduce a new storyline, maybe it'll be a little longer than we anticipated. Maybe to be sure, maybe see all the book now for whatever reason. Because we want to kind of leave ourselves open for that. So we definitely have the ending in mind. We have a lot of the middle, we're leaving ourselves room. I would say if we get to go the full run, maybe like in between 25, 30 issues. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, that's quite a stretch. Awesome, man. But that's a definite ending. It's definitely going somewhere. Now, you guys hit the con circuit pretty hard, too, don't you? Oh, yes. Uh, we do a lot of the area cons. Uh, we wanted to do the Puerto Rico Comic Con, but unfortunately we couldn't make it this year. Uh, well, we definitely plan on having it next year, especially since next year we'll have Sarah and Humber Brother books on the pipeline. They should be ready. Uh, we, we do New York Comic Con. We've done New York Comic Con the past four years. At our table there, done our business. We do a lot of the area cons. Uh, so, yeah, definitely um, definitely uh, involved in the local comic the local con scene. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, do you, uh, you ever get over toward Ohio at all? Like, we're definitely trying to get to like maybe uh, Pittsburgh Comic Con. I'm it's, sorry, you it's, have... Pittsburgh is pretty close. It's about an hour from the border, at least. Right. Yeah. So I think we could we want to get over there, and I'm sure. Yeah. And we, so from there, we're trying to like bubble out. We're trying to like go try at least regionally. Um, whereas Ohio's it's out of our immediate region, but we feel it's like someplace we can get to ourselves. Uh, so we definitely have plans to going to uh, cons there because I think, especially there, it's a smaller con than the New York Comic Con. It may be New York Comic Con. It's it's a great place to be. It's a lot of energy. Unfortunately, it's what we it's what we wanted it to be, and I'll explain what that is. We wanted comics to get this big, and they are. But unfortunately, that means there are 
people who aren't comic fans going to the con. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. So, whereas we got what we wanted, we wanted comics to be this big. Unfortunately, getting what we wanted also means getting, it's going to sound weird, getting things we didn't want because you have a lot of people there that aren't into comics and they could care less that we have this comic at the table and we've been working on this for years. They could care less. They don't care. Which is right. fine. It's their prerogative. But uh, we feel that going maybe some of the more mid-sized cons, smaller cons, will definitely have a, a good reception there. We've done well at the New York Comic Con, right? thank God. Um, but we feel that we do very well at maybe like the like the ones at Myrtle Beach, the ones in Ohio, the places like that. We feel we do extremely well. And we're definitely looking forward to going over there. We hope we uh, get to catch you one of these times. We love uh, meeting people we have on the show at uh, yeah, conventions. So, yeah, hopefully we'll cross paths one of these times. Oh, definitely. That'd be great. Well, man, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show, and uh, we wish you the best of luck with Sarah Rising, and uh, we're going to put it up on our website for all to see and uh, hopefully get as much traffic your way as possible. Great, man. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to caneairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, visit the Hall of Heroes and see the Wall of Justice, check out the videos page and see what we've done on YouTube. And if you want to be a guest to promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And don't forget to enter the Stabity Bunny giveaway contest. We're giving away a t-shirt, a sticker, the first three issues of Stabity Bunny. Uh, what else? A trade of the agency and a trade of salvagers. All titles from Think Alike Productions that were so generously donated, and we're just giving away to you folks. So go to the website. Jack has a button on there. You hit enter, and uh, that's all you got to do. And then you get a boatload of free comics. You got till May 31st. So get on the ball. Time's running out. Uh, anything else, guys? I think that does it. That's it all for right. this week. All right. Well, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. Thanks for listening, everyone. I can't wait to see this movie. But wait, Timmy's blind. Why not try a podcast? Spirit! Spirit. All the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the Canned Air podcast. Finally, a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation. Now we know! And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! But then we'll be taught, uh, excuse me. And, well, uh... Uh, Leela. Shoot. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains... We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.